please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. McIntyre, welcome to the Elder Law Report. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about guardianships and change. The reason we're talking about guardianships is Britton and myself went to the Rethinking Guardianships conference this week in Raleigh at the Administrative Office of Courts, and we are now on the writing team for the proposed new statute from the Rethinking Guardianships group. And there's several things on the table to change in the statute, uh, and Britain, how do you how do you feel about uh, all the changes that we've incurred? I guess after really it coming to our attention that the guardianship guardianship rules were were maybe inadequate or needed to change, or at least we felt they did. Yeah, you know, I, I think that a lot needs to happen with guardianships before you know we see an actual proper usage of the of the guardianship uh you know forum in north carolina i think that right now as we've written about as we've you know spoken about ad nauseum at this point um we feel that guardians uh or guardianships and the way it's it's done in north carolina is unconstitutional and we think that there is you know quite a bit of of leeway there for for the um you know all the players to to act in such a way that does not benefit the individual you know that they're they're gonna uh, adjudicate incompetent which we call currently the ward but the proposed legislation wants to change that a bit and use better terminology so it's not you know they don't sound you know like they're they're a criminal right so they, they call them the adult um but yeah, I, I don't think I, I think right now the proposed legislation it, it does it, it does um, a lot of good. I don't think it fixes the actual issue though. Yeah, I don't think it it nearly gets to the point where we kind of you know we shift away from using clerks as the judge as the hearing officer just simply to judges. And in fact, I think superior court judges uh, because you have your rights and freedoms being taken away. I was talking to someone yesterday who said, yeah, but these are protective hearings, right? These are protective hearings, right? They're, they're, they're protective hearings for the person's own good. It's, it's, uh, it shouldn't be held to that standard. And I imagine you could couch a criminal hearing as a protective hearing too that's protecting the person and the public from, from harm. To themselves right. or others, which really is the exact same protective hearing argument for a guardianship case. Exactly. And I wouldn't say it's protective when you have 97% of guardianship cases that have been brought ending up in the adjudication of incompetence. That means 97% of the cases that were brought, the clerk said, oh, this person is incompetent. I'm going to take away their rights so they can't make decisions for themselves. It's only right, and another point of the Rethinking Guardianship's effort is, you know, we tend to, in those hearings, you tend to hit a nail with a sledgehammer every time, um, which means that you think that a full-on guardianship is the answer, 
where a limited guardianship, just for specific things, not just full decision-making or assisted decision-making, those types of alternatives are alternatives to guardianship. And that exact, actually, that's how the, the statute's written now, is to use alternatives or limited. The guardianship should be used, full guardianship should be used sparingly, but they're not. Um, and, 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 and the reason why it's not is because it's before a clerk and not a judge. The judge would be able to consider that and have the understanding of how what the intent of the statute is. However, it's hard for a clerk, um, and you know we don't mean to speak ill of clerks at all. I mean, we love working with clerks. I respect. But I respect I, we respect uh, clerks and what clerks do, but uh, and I, I, my hope is that clerks would also respect what lawyers and judges do. And they understand that that's not them. Yeah, and it's hard to expect a clerk to be able to wade through the nuances of uh, an incompetency hearing and, and guardianship statute to do the right thing for the client. And I mean, you know, a clerk's not sitting there thinking, oh, this is unconstitutional. They have no basis to determine whether or not it's unconstitutional because they didn't go to law school, you know? Um, so, or they didn't have to. Uh, so, you know, that's, hey, that's one hearings. reason. Hey, I've been in hearings and maybe a recent hearing I might have been in very recently. How about that? that uh, where, you know, the clerk throws out that, hey, this is a guardianship hearing. There's relaxed rules of evidence. The rules of evidence don't really apply here. And you're like, really? Because I think they do. I think somebody's uh, freedom is hanging in the balance. And uh, for you to allow a social worker to just come in and throw away around a ton of hearsay evidence is not proper or just. Right. And then and then and then allowed that person to do that, even though I stood up and said, hey, um, the actual witnesses are in the courtroom. The actual witnesses are in, sitting in the courtroom that this person's talking about right now. Like we don't have to hear from this person what happened. The attorney could call the actual person who's in the courtroom to question that person. And, right. and and there's like, there's just, it's it's like things go, and nobody gets that connection that that's improper under the rules of evidence. That's totally improper, especially if you have the available witness sitting right there in the courtroom to right. allow a social worker to summarize past conversations or something like the, that, or past interactions. Well, in the, and if you think about why they have the you know rules of evidence in the first place is to limit the amount of, of stuff that comes before the judge that they have to consider that shouldn't be considered, and the availability of the players of the game to bend the rules. You know, you give them the attorney. It's to, it's to protect the, the truth. It's also to protect the truth and the parties. The parties have a right, to, have a need to testify. The, the person that's the respondent the person that's a respondent that is literally on trial for being incompetent, okay, or for being competent, whichever, you know, um, has a right to cross-examine the people and the evidence that is getting thrown out against him or her. They have that right. Yeah. And for the court not to recognize the rules of evidence is unconstitutional. Right. And the thing is... It's a lack of due process, a proper due process. How about that? Exactly. The, the the way it's set up and how guardianships are practiced in North Carolina, it, it just show it demonstrates that lack of due process. And if you compare it to something that's that's comparable in what it does, but it is very different in practice, um, you can see the dichotomy. So if you compare it to 
um, involuntary commitment of, of an adult, okay? Not an elderly individual, but just a regular old adult who's allegedly um, crazy and, uh, you know, a, da a danger to themselves or others, right? And we want to hold him for 10 days. Exactly. First of all, you have to show probable cause. You have to get a magistrate to order that they be committed, right? That they be picked up and committed. And uh, well, even at that point, they're not actually committed. They're just detained. And then you have to show probable in front of a judge. Right, exactly. So you have to first go to a, a magistrate and show probable cause. And then they're detained and they're not committed until you show beyond clear and commit or by clear and convincing evidence that they are a danger clear, to themselves clear, and others. Clear, cogent, and convincing evidence. What's that? Clear, cogent, and convincing evidence. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I mean, and, and that that's a pretty high standard if you look at the case law for involuntary commitment. And it says it over and over and over again. What you're doing here is essentially arresting this person, uh, you know, putting them in into confinement, you know, and yeah, taking away their freedoms, depriving them of their liberty. And then we turn around, we do the same thing to an individual who is 20, 30 years older. And we're like, ah, whatever. All you have to show is that okay, you think that they're, yeah, you think that they're incompetent. That's good enough for me. We'll rubber stamp that all day. I mean, that, that to me is, is absolutely insane. It's bonkers. I mean, it's crazy world. Right. right. And the thing is, is people, people, you know, think that we're extreme, but in Las Vegas, okay, in Las Vegas, they are going around just appointing professional guardians for people. And these people were just rolling up into their homes and taking them out, taking them out of their homes, seizing all of their property and sticking them in an assisted living facility or a mental health facility, right? And telling them that even though it was wrong, telling them that if you don't come with me, I'll call the cops and they'll put you in jail. Right. Or you can go to a psych ward or, or we'll place you in an assisted living facility. I watched that movie called The Guardians, by the way. It's on Amazon Prime and uh, yeah. probably yeah. other places too. And, and, and I would advise anybody who watches this to go watch that movie about the dangers of where not adhering to, to due process and a lot of money in the system and private guardians can lead. That's right. where that can lead. Right. And one of the guys uh, in that movie, um, one of the guys who was alerting people to, um, you know, all these issues, had his parents, um, or uh, was his wife, it doesn't matter. But it was in North Carolina that it happened. So this is where some of the, the alarm bells started ringing. You know, we're one of the problem states for that. We're and he flew out to assist. He flew out to Las Vegas to assist the filmmaker and guide right. the filmmaker and, 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 and inform him of what guardianships are, how they work. He flew out from Charlotte, North Carolina. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, exactly. So we're not a world away from these problems. I mean, they're right at our feet here in North Carolina. Agreed. And, and the, a big question mark in the end, when the filmmaker was talking to the DA, to the district attorney, who it seemed, if you watch the film, was kind of just maybe making an example out of one case mm -hmm. to try to appease 
the people who were mad about what was going on, but in no way moved against the entire kind of organized crime syndicate, which was the guardianship um, ring, ring there, right? Including the public guardians, which were the stint, which trained the private guardians and a lot of the public guardians then went in and operated as private guardians after. They were all in it together was the point. And, right. and yeah. 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 And that and and we've seen very similar things um in North Carolina where, you know, even though you have these different players appointed, one's supposed to, you know, represent the best interest of the of the of the ward and, and such. I mean, they're all part of the same system when you get down to it. They see each other every day. They know each other on a personal level. And um, it's just, it's kind of like a mill, you know? And there's milling people through and... and, and going through the motions, man. Declaring people incompetent. You're incapacitated. Inco- you're incompetent until proven competent. Not competent until proven incompetent. Uh, the GAL is running the hearing a lot of times. Uh, social services there, they have so much sway. They're the, they're the yeah. big cat in the room that runs everything. The clerk and seems scared to move against either one of those parties. And if, if you if you come in as a private attorney, they're already threatened. If you come in as a private attorney for the family, God forbid you come in for the family, you know. And and you're made to feel like you're uh, you're doing something wrong or nefarious. You know, you're a scumbag attorney. I had somebody call me that yesterday, by the way, because I came in trying to represent a family member, trying to represent a family member. Um, And because I was not, I I did not agree with what the government thought should happen. Exactly. Because you have the government trying to take someone's rights away. The family members trying to intervene to to get someone in the system to hear them and hear some sort of, you know, semblance of reasonableness. And so they hire a private attorney to come in to help them with that. And then that private attorney gets treated like they're doing something wrong, gets called a scumbag because they're diverging from, from their little their little system, their little syndicate. Because you know what? You know what? A son, a daughter, they shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't have the right to help their mother and father. Mom and dad... The state should take control, that's what they think, of all assets, either the state or a private guardian. There are private guardians operating at a high level in North Carolina, by the way, of the estate. And they should get paid, right? They should get paid. The guardians should get paid, the public and private guardians. And they should simply spend down the money only on, say, nursing home care or something like that. That's it. Spend it down to nothing. No. No, no estate planning, no, no, nothing. You know, the family means nothing. What mom and dad worked for their entire life means absolutely nothing. So, so, you know, it's a, it's a crazy system. I'll tell you, I'd give a shout out. If there's any documentary filmmakers out there that want to make a film about North Carolina guardianships, I'd love to do it. I'd love nothing more than to participate in that effort. Oh yeah, I, I would say yeah, and I mean try making a try making a try making a, a special needs trust right for for someone to to protect them and have the guardian hear about it and bypassing the guardian's right to tap into that money and control it, mm-hmm. and they're up in arms. Right, they're up in arms. And when you see when you see that sort of thing happening, you know that it's a it's all about power. 
right? It's it's, it's not about it's not about the, what's in the best interest of the ward. It's about making sure they have their hand in it. It's about money and power. That's what it's about. So I woke up thinking about that exact thing this morning. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to move past it, not let it affect it. But uh, I can't shake it. I can't shake some of those thoughts, man, and and, uh, just what's going on. So these proposed changes to the statute, I mean, they do, they add some alternatives and they kind of do what's already kind of supposed to happen in the statute. But the thing is, is that that's not going to help. That's not going to be enough until we get substantive change, until we don't have a clerk being the person who hears, who's the be all end all, the judge, jury and executioner in, in this situation, in these guardianships. And, um, you know, so until we can have real substantive change in guardianship and, and the statute itself, we're not going to see real change in, in practice. We're just not. It's going to be the same old thing. So I think, Brenton, we need to work with the writing group for this statute with Rethinking Guardianships and, uh, and work within their framework because there's several years to reach this point. But right. I'll tell you, there's not a lot of there's There's hardly any attorneys at all involved in this effort. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're the only attorneys that I know of that are on the writing team. Most right. of it is government employees, which I appreciate, but most of them are social service, social workers or work for social services or, or past guardians. That's, that's who this is. And, uh, but we'll work with them. The, you know, I would move to, uh, to make, uh, you know, the, the hearings officers, uh, judges, uh, because you're taking away people's freedoms. I would even go more extreme than the statute, but I think that we can at least voice that and, and have some, I would love to see one thing, which is I'd love to see appointing, um, private, private attorneys, private counsel for the respondents, for the people instead of GALs and right. have the GAL be an independent fact finder. So right. I'd love to yeah. see, I think that's a move into, I think that is a, a thing that's needed and a move in the right direction. The clerk can have a role, you know, they can act like a magistrate to, to determine whether there is probable cause to move it forward, to have it in front of a judge. Right. You know, um, but I don't think they should be the be all end all, like I said earlier. Agreed. Agreed. So I'm looking forward to helping redefine guardianships in North Carolina. This is this is my new cause. I mean, this yeah. is our firm's new cause. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is, yeah, absolutely. The firm's new cause is to make sure that, you know, I mean, we see an injustice. We want to fix it. That's that's in our nature, you know, and this is as bright line, uh, you know, injustice as, as you can get. And it's happening right in front of our faces. So, yeah, it's a great cause. That's disinfectant is is to shine a light on it. So that's what we're going to do. And Britt and I appreciate all the work you're doing, and uh, I look forward to working with you um, on the Rethinking Guardianships statute writing team and uh, and fighting in court to redefine guardianships, um, trying to do so hopefully without getting thrown into jail for contempt of court and, <laughs> that, and, and, and zealously rep- representing our clients. Hey, if you have any questions on guardianships or uh, need an attorney to represent you in a guardianship or... Uh, give us, give our office a call. Uh, you can go to our website, mcelderlaw.com, or call our office, 704-749-9244. 704-749-9244. That's McIntyre Elder Law. 
and have a great day. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. All right, bye.